Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. G, 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 take me away. G, 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 take me today. Welcome to another episode of The Gary Hour. I'm your host, Gary Levitt. This week, I talk to visual artist, creative director, Amy Hood. Wild story. Wild stuff. Uh, you gotta Because she's a visual artist, I urge you to check out the link in the show notes so you can kind of see what she's all about and then see where all that dark stuff comes from by listening to this podcast. This episode is brought to you by Future Moments, makers of mobile apps for content creation. If you're a musician, a podcaster, a filmmaker, or if you just make videos on your phone, check out Future Moments on the App Store because they have an app that'll make your life easier. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for links. good another drinking episode yeah yeah i mean i do like a drink to you i do you big drinker uh yeah i don't want to be as much like recently i haven't been wanting to drink um so much just because i feel like the, the time passes by so quickly as it is mm. From year to year and it makes me so anxious mm -hmm. just because there's so much that I want to do and and it just happens more and more rapidly the and time is moving faster yeah time is moving faster each year I think yeah. and and part of the reason I think that is is because you know the segment or the duration of a year is a smaller and smaller percentage of your life because you are continually gaining years, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, that sounds like math. Yeah, it's, each year is a smaller percentage. Right, so when you're six, a year is a much larger percentage of your life than when you're 35. Yes. Right? Yes. And therefore, the perspective of time is maybe uh, shifting so much and that's, and that's why it seems to go by so quickly mm -hmm. and, and at a more rapid pace. You've actually brought mathematical logic and rationale to a theory that i've heard <laughs> throughout my life really but yeah it makes sense actually yeah i i that's that would be my theory <laughs> well now it sounds logical mm. so you're a visual artist yeah and uh you have uh 
books and prints and you directed a video that was written up in Rolling Stone. Congratulations. Thank you. So, you know, this is a podcast audio, but your uh your work, your visual work is really dark. Yeah, it is. It's really dark and very erotically charged. Yeah, there's some there's some of that in there. Okay, and there's like some cult Charles Manson kind of stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, in one of the books. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So it really makes me wonder, what happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a really dark person. I'm very optimistic. Uh-huh. And I am generally really energized. And I like to consider myself to be a rather warm person. Mm-hmm. But I have a lot of... Um, I have a lot of darkness in here. And to be honest, I think that's relatable. I don't think uh, life is a romantic comedy. I don't think it's realistic. Mm-hmm. And I think um, sometimes to feel really what it means to be happy or grateful is to have seen the other side. In fact, I have another theory uh, that is uh, depression helps you develop a sense of humor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and if, I've if had a lot can, of that. If you can channel the depression into humor. Right. Or, you know, it just happens so much, so long sometimes, then you're just like, what? And then you just have to start laughing because what are you going to be? You can't just, you can't just sit there and mope around, mm-hmm. you know, even though it, sometimes it feels really hard to, um, hard to get going. But a lot of people do mope around. Yeah. You know, there's a good, there's a good phrase, I think it was by Martin Luther King, that he said, if you can't run, walk, and if you can't run, oh, excuse me, if you can't run, walk, and if you can't walk, then crawl, uh-huh. and some days are just crawling kind of a days, Yeah, you know? Yes. Do you feel like your, uh, your work is an outlet for your depression? Um, I don't think about it as an outlet for my depression at all. I think that there are important topics that people feel as a sensation that are not as much talked about and um and that's sort of what i like to talk about in my work even though with with you know the nudity or what have you that's not really the forefront of what my work is about at all mind you i'm totally for being representative of a woman being sexy and intellectual at the same time and i've advocated for that for a while um but um that being said, sometimes it's not as clear just how much thought and how much depth there is to these things that I'm outputting because of, I don't know, perhaps the oversaturation of content, perhaps the short attention span, and perhaps the nipples. But, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but, but there is a lot to it. And, yeah. and there's really an underlying theme throughout all of my work that I'm hoping with the next few things I'm, I'm prepared to work on over the next couple of years will become very much more apparent. And then retrospectively, everything will have a little more weight to it for I people. Hear, I hear a little bit of an accent. Oh, I get that a lot. Yeah. Oh, where, where are you from? Where? I'm from Florida. You were born in Florida? No, I was born in Montana. Montana. You grew up in Florida? Uh, predominantly. Uh-huh. Where in Florida? Kind of all over. Uh, my family, my mother was born in Tallahassee, and my father is from Sarasota. He still lives there. My mother lives now outside of Pensacola, which is where I went to middle and high school. And my grandmother, she still lives in Tallahassee. She was uh, uh, she worked for the Democratic House of Representatives for years, is now retired and super active and bubbly. 
Uh-huh. She's super cute. She's uh-huh. really <laughs> Pensacola is kind of a military town. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. My stepfather um, was in the military. He was a cryptologist for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've I've been there. I played shows there, and there was a train that just kind of went through town with. Oh, all you've this... been there. Yeah, yeah been it's there a, few a funky times. place, huh? It is a very odd place. Nice yeah. beach, but Florida is a weird place. It's kind of like a black hole. There's like a weird vibe there. Yeah, Marilyn Manson is from. Florida. Oh, of course he is. All the weirdos are from there. Yeah. So do you think growing up in Florida kind of informed your dark expression? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it. I mean, part of it. Uh, yeah, I, I've been through some crazy things. And part of it was growing up poor on one end. My parents were divorced. Uh, see, I caught that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love how information trickles out because you said where your mom lives and where your dad lives. And yeah. I'm like, oh, they must be divorced. Yeah. I mean, I did live in a couple other states. I lived in Virginia for a little bit because my stepfather was in the military. So we did travel a little bit. But I always came back to Florida to visit my father anyways. Mm-hmm. So percentage-wise, once again, I would say uh, up to the time I was 18, I had spent the largest percentage of my time in Florida, which is why I say I'm from there. Right. It's a funny thing. Everybody in New York asks where you're from. Yep. So I, that's the answer I have. For now. <laughs> Until you Until formulate. I have a larger percentage elsewhere. Oh, right. Right. But you're kind of done. Are we done growing up? Are you saying you're not done growing mm, that's up? That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's the whole thing. If you were done growing up at the age that you are now, then what's the point in continuing? Yeah. Okay. I like that. It takes the pressure off. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm still growing up. Yeah. You're still growing up. It's so <laughs> funny. People, I know, I have a lot of friends who are like, their late 30s and their 40s and they're like, oh, I'm so old. I'm like, really? Because I'm pretty sure like you could double your lifespan and that person is still alive. You know what I mean? Yes. And and you would have lived the entire life that you had already lived like that span of time Yeah. again, you know, but doing other things because you're just building on it. So right. that's cool but even about more getting be- older. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But even more because our adult years should count more than our child years because we have theoretically <laughs> no i think that i think that they do because you're gaining experiences mm-hmm. and you're making your own decisions yeah yeah so oh but i think as part of the darkness kind of comes from a lot of things mm-hmm. it comes from a lot and also comes from the kind of person i am i'm a very sensitive person mm-hmm. i absorb a lot mm-hmm. i absorb information well i absorb sensation uh-huh. a lot and that's perhaps part of why when things have happened, I just take it in and think about it again and again and again and again. I'm an overthinker. Overthinker, yeah. yeah. You analyze. Yeah, I do. I mean, I try not to get too self-absorbed with it. Mm-hmm. I think you can be a self-absorbed in a negative way, certainly, right? Absolutely. When people think about self-absorbed, they think, oh, that person thinks they're so great. But it could work the opposite. Well, I think there's a fine line, or maybe it's a thicker line, between analyzing and obsessing. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes um, that crosses over. But if you can exercise it, mm-hmm. then uh, you know you stop thinking about it so much. Do you remember the last thing you felt like you were overanalyzing? <sighs> Everything. I really do. I really, I really coming oh, to do this podcast. <laughs> no, I did. I didn't overanalyze that because I like you, and I, you're a warm person, and it felt genuine. And I didn't think that there was any, um, there would be anything that might make me feel bad later. Oh, good. Thank you. So <laughs> another you one go. tricked. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> 
So you said you said growing up a lot of uh, bad things or crazy mm, well, things. Well, just I, and I say growing up, I don't just mean early childhood. Like my dad. So my dad was uh, he was really poor. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my mother was middle class but in debt. I have, so <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> there's well, there's like a there's a poverty there's almost a poverty there. Not really, but you, you like you have food and you have a lot of or an increasing amount of stuff. I can't even stand to go back there because it's just like she's a hoarder. So, she's not she's not a hoarder per se, but oh, that's she's got that's a whole another conversation. <laughs> it really is. Uh-huh. Um, it really is. But you feel like the uh, economic status and. I think it kind of started there. I would say, I would say, because my my dad he used to work as a drafter for an architect mm-hmm. uh, for years, and then he was an alcoholic though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that kind of runs in that side of the family an addiction to things. So there's like a lot of little things there. But, in your dad's side of the family? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my uncle died last year. He was like homeless, living on the street, like. Uh, had a stroke. Your dad's brother. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. My uncle Alan, who was a brilliant surveyor. Mm-hmm. What What was his uh, drug of choice? Vodka. Vodka. Mm. Yeah, like a lot of <laughs> vodka, <laughs> and, and that's as far as I know. I mean, maybe there are other things, but that that's what I know about. But I mean, we used to all live uh, in this one bedroom apartment. Like my brother on my my brother. I have five brothers and sisters, right? But my brother who shares the same father mm-hmm. and then i have an older sister who shares the same mother and father mm-hmm. so it was us three there and my other siblings lived with my mother because they shared the same mother and not the same father right right okay we're following yeah <laughs> but we used to live there and he couldn't afford to put us in daycare and so uh i would just be there we'd just be at the house all day long shared the room you know i'd cook i'd clean it was expected for things to be well maintained at what age were you cooking and cleaning for? seven seven yeah so you're kind of caretaker alone right in the away. house yeah i had a lot of responsibility young, at a young age which my father always kind of prided me on mm-hmm. and maybe that's why he said uh you're very um uh i don't i forget right now what the word caring i'm looking for is no 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 nurturing no 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 it's not nurturing it's more like um uh, dark and crazy (laughs) (laughs) no it's more like um diligent or like self um motivated oh self-motivated i've always been extraordinarily self-motivated that's great yeah yeah he used to he used to pride me on being self-motivated at that age Mm -hmm. and i kind of stuck i guess i wonder not that you weren't but that would be a great thing to tell a kid anyway yeah no it would be Mm-hmm. It would be. It's a good. Um, it's a very practical skill to have, especially in an entrepreneurial-based uh, culture. And which, which you are. We have yeah. right now. And you are. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Uh, it's a lack of stability, but positive affirmation for the right qualities. <laughs> right. Well, as an entrepreneur, you kind of have. You're not ever told what to do. You just have to. You have to have yourself like. Uh, you have guidance, I guess. You have to figure out what's what's to do next, or, and find out a way to learn how to accomplish the things that you're trying to do, or yeah. acquire the skill set that you figure you might need. Right, proactive. Yeah, yeah, but There's it's that. it's not for everyone. No, no, not at all. Yeah, I think some people are happy just going to a job and being given a set of tasks and doing them. There's something there's something nice about that too, I think. 
I don't think I could ever really do it、mm-hmm. that way. I'm a bit bossy though, so maybe that's why. Are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My friends would think so. Are you? Well, if you are taking care of a household at seven, maybe you're used to being in control of things. I am. Yeah. I mean, we were homeless after that too. That was the first time I was homeless. I've been homeless a, f- a few times. As a kid. Uh, no, growing up, even as an adult. Uh huh. So that was kind of the, that was the first time, and we lived on the beach. What 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 age was were you living on the beach? Um, maybe nine, maybe、wow. yeah, nine. With brother. With with my, it wasn't for very long,、mm-hmm. because then we um we came up to Sarasota. We were living in Naples at the time. We came up to Sarasota, and crashed with my uncle, the one who. Died last year,、mm-hmm. uh, and he had lots of vodka bottles. But he was a sweet, sweet man.、Mm-hmm. He was really just a, such a warm, sweet person who just had a lot of problems. Do you remember going from house to beach? Like what that looked like? Yeah, I mean, my <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So we lived in another apartment. So we lived in the one bedroom apartment, and then we moved briefly into this、uh, two bedroom apartment. My dad had a lot of anger problems. Of、oh, goodness,、mm-hmm. like he would just he would just flip out. He just had rage. He had so much rage that his reactions were strong. It was a very strict household too, because he was in the military for a second. It was a super smart guy, just super unhappy with his life. Yeah, and a really na- like.、Uh, Unhealthy way of kind of manifesting it,、um, but it was very strict. Like we're allowed to watch TV. Like you could only have ice cream like very occasionally. Absolutely no soda. Like things like that. And、um, big yeller would he yell at you? He wouldn't yell at me.、Mm-hmm. He would yell at my brother、mm. a lot. He was actually somewhat abusive towards him. Not really physically as much, but he would. Really take out a lot of his anger on him, and or for example, I recall specifically this one occasion where he had been cooking、uh, dinner like all night. He was really good at cooking. I learned to cook that way too,、uh, sort of intuitively, like where you smell things and you pair, and, it, and it's like poor person's cooking.、Uh-huh, right. I, it's kind of an iron chef, but for poor people, where they're like, "All right, you have can of soup and pepperoncinis." And you know, right, right, right. go <laughs> figure out what to do with these ingredients. Exactly,、um, that's kind of fun. Well, yeah, and I learned to cook that way. And we had a lot of you know eggs and potatoes with like frozen ground hamburgers for dinner,、mm-hmm. which I was like so hungry. So of course it was、yeah. delicious at the time. But he had been preparing preparing this dinner all day, or all excuse me, all evening, which was late. I think something he broke. Something happened. Where like a piece of glass, I think he had put down maybe the pan, an iron skillet, and like the lid broke into it. He, maybe he put it down too hard and、mm-hmm. it broke, and then he just flipped out.、Mm-hmm. He threw that shit like around, and then he got the vacuum and like it was like one of those shop vacs, like a metal shop vac that you roll it in, and he was vacuuming it up, and it was so pissed, and he like. Beat the hell out of that vacuum cleaner until it didn't work anymore. Like metal vacuum cleaner. He was a six four strong guy. Like、uh-huh. militarily cha- trained, strong guy. Like、yeah. he, you know, used to be like a surveyor, really like MacGyver kind of guy most of the time. Like he, super practical. Like if there was a zombie apocalypse, you know, he would know how to survive. Right. <laughs> so you felt protected. Well, I just I 
took the practicality out of those qualities, I think. There's a practicality mm-hmm. there that he did have, and he was smart, and he would be happy to talk to you about like the Big Bang Theory and all these different things, but he was just so unhappy mm-hmm. with his life, I guess. Anyways, so that was the last place that we lived. Well, as a, as a guy, especially a milita- military guy, I imagine he's like a little machismo or tuned into the traditional elements of being a man, and if he can't... Uh, care like support his family. Mm-hmm. He's struggling with that. That just like gets right at the core of. Well, he didn't want to have kids. He didn't want to have kids. No, he mm-hmm. didn't want to have kids. He married my mother because he had my sister, and then my mother kind of, you know, stopped taking her birth control, and that's how I came around. And do you um, know this for a fact? I know this for a fact. My mother has told me this. She has. And then he was in the military. He wanted to originally. He wanted to be uh, a civil engineer. And then he had kids and he couldn't pursue that. Mm -hmm. And then he wanted to be a pilot in the military, in the Air Force. And he had bad vision at the time. It wasn't particularly like, it wasn't super as correctable. Like now it's, you could go get your vision fixed at a relatively affordable time. You can't use the contacts, I think. Oh, really? I think when, when it comes to being a pilot, you have to just you can take laser surgery I think, laser which he got surgery. later but at the time he didn't for some reason and he was upset about that and he went awol and all this other stuff but point being i think it just didn't go the way that he wanted it to <laughs> and it sat with him for a long time right and he just it didn't let it manifest the right way do you remember what it was like when you had to move out of the two-bedroom apartment and your dad had to tell you i guess hey we can't afford this apartment he was always angry and he was no he would just yell he would just yell about it he'd be he'd blame the people who had the complex about raising the rent Mm -hmm. oh my god it was probably like 800 a month which was a lot for him but for me now living in New York, I'm like, right. what? <laughs> Two-bedroom apartment for $800? That's a steal. Yeah, and you don't even have any kids to support. <laughs> exactly. I mean, fuck. But um, no, I, there was even this guy who used to drive around the apartment complex in his golf cart. The guy, he's like this big, obese man with glasses. And he was a bit of a gross guy. And my dad hated him. <laughs> <laughs> he hated him so much. He slashed his tires one time. <laughs> he did. He went over there and he slashed his tires and he drove away. And woo, we used to drive in a 72 Plymouth Fury. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's like, a real car? That my dad got for like $600, beat the fuck up, but it got from point A to point B. A, a Plymouth Fury sounds like a perfect car for an angry man. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it was. And it always smelled like uh, old cars. And I still like old cars to this day. And anger. And beer, because you drive and drink a beer. So, But do you remember having to... Uh... I mean, that must have yeah, been. Yeah, I mean, we packed up the stuff in the moving van. And we just took the moving van to the beach, essentially, because that was he really liked to go there, and I really spent a, we spent a lot of time there. We'd go from early in the day to late at night. Mm-hmm. I just play on the beach. I was a real beach bunny. Yeah, <laughs> and and I love the water, and I still I still consider that home whenever I go back, um, going to the beach and being in the ocean. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess he just didn't know where else to go until he could figure things out. He didn't mm-hmm. have a phone. We didn't have like cell phones at the time. You right. know, it wasn't like that. Yeah. So he just had to figure out what to do, and we were kind of just waiting. Were you always uh, a creative person? Yeah, I think I was. I never thought that I would have a career as a creative person in Florida. There's kind of a lack of culture, and it's not like, yeah, I can be an artist. Right. It's not like that. It's I was going to be a chemical engineer. 
That's wow. what I had planned to do from the time I was 13. How did you end up in that? Was that something that was around you? Art or uh, chemical, chemical engineering? Chemical engineering. <laughs> uh, no, you know, I was always, I did really well in school um, initially uh-huh. uh, until a certain point, but that's a whole nother thing too. It's a whole other story also. <laughs> See, that's such, a, that's such a running theme on this podcast is that people that live in places like Florida or Ohio, they're yeah. just not around art or creative It's just things. not, it doesn't exist there. Yeah, so you don't Obscure even Obscure reference, you know, like all these things just don't exist. You have to find it. Right. I, I had to teach all my, myself all these things, mm-hmm. you know. And I was going to go to school for chemical engineering. I was good at science. I liked it. I knew that it was a career field that you could make money at. Because it has so many applications because chemistry, like it applies to fucking everything. I could make patinas for metal. I could make lipstick. I could make, you know, all it has. So everything's made of plastic. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I I knew that I could make money doing that. And I knew that I was good at it and that the world needs more scientists. Mm -hmm. So why not? It made sense. Uh, I think science is kind of like imagination applied to mathematics. You know, you have to be a little bit of a visual person to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it seemed to make sense. Yeah. Well, it was like in. the idea of being a scientist. I thought I, I just like that. Maybe it started with uh, ghetto cooking. Yeah, right. Ghetto cooking. <laughs> Poor Jesus people cooking. Christ. Poor folks. So do you remember the first time uh, mm-hmm. that you were uh, subjected to something creative or artistic music was first music was first music was first. my dad did always he always played he bought me my first guitar which was an esp ltdf 200 Uh metal is a motherfucker owned by like it was like the guitars that metallica played on so that's very florida yeah it's very florida (laughs) i learned to play guitar uh Mm -hmm. first it was so expensive but he bought that for me because Mm -hmm. He just, I don't know. Had you shown an inclination to music? Yeah. Or just... I, I was always very musical. Um, I think m- being a musical person is a very specific quality. What is that quality? Um, I th- Well, music is its own language, right? Mm-hmm. That which is not communi- able to be communicated with words. Yeah. It's a feeling. It's it's a sensation. It It's communicating. Yeah. But you have to be able to pick up on that, and not everybody does. Yeah, not everybody feels the way that it's communicating, it or understands the language that it is. Yeah, you're conveying an emotion yeah. in this very abstract kind of musical way via notes. But that's the language. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny that way because yeah, it's not the lyrics in a song that make you feel like the song means something. Totally, it's the music. Yeah. Yeah, I've always I've noticed that from interviews and that musicians, not all of them, of course, but musicians in general are not as good of an interview as, say, a stand-up comedian yeah. who's used to using words and... To describe things. Yeah. But if you ask that musician to play you a song for your podcast instead, they might have a better time communicating what they felt. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, I might get lashed for this, but I think music is like kind of a deeper art because it transcends language. Yeah, sure. You can yeah. move people. You can make people feel something. And and I hope I don't get lashed for this either. I would argue, and I've been thinking about this lately. I was actually talking with Avtar, whom mm-hmm. I know you from lately, is that I think that 
people, and I say musical people because not everybody who's musical is necessarily a musician. They just have that relation to music the same way. Yep. Right. I don't consider myself to be a musician anymore. I used to play, I played the viola actually first mm-hmm. before I played guitar. When I was in third grade, I played viola. And my great grandmother was a, an organ player for a whole, whole life. So I think it was well ingrained. It's a, it's a part of you. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was the first artistic kind of outlet. But I would argue that um, there is a certain amount of intelligence mm-hmm. that comprehends music. For example, people who are musical people tend to have generally a higher sort of intelligence. Please. Ret- well, but how do you measure intelligence? I mean, retract that when if it sounds super <laughs> fucking offensive. Well, intelligence is kind of ethereal. It's an ethereal concept because some people could be really smart at like say making money, but they're terrible at social interactions or sure. relationships. Sure. I'm not saying it as any kind of specific intelligence. I'm mm-hmm. just saying it represents maybe a higher amount of brain activity mm. or maybe um yeah, maybe it is brain activity. It's a higher amount of brain activity. It's it's a larger. Uh, that's actually quantifiable, cap- right there. So that's good. <laughs> you've, you've- it's a larger capability to to understand deeper feelings. Yeah. Right. Which which mm. I associate myself with a certain intellect. Yeah. Right. People who can't, you know, who don't think of things a certain way or very much at all, are not inclined to feel very deeply about them. I would almost argue. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe you are very musical if you analyze things and think about things. Yeah, sure. A scientist could certainly... I'm not saying it's like the end-all, be-all, but I'm just saying that they might... I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a semi-theory. Yeah. <laughs> it's a semi-theory. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking... It was just like started to kind of like... Well, what I've noticed is I get along with people... Uh, you know, with X, 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 Y, you know, right. A certain brand of person. And why is that? You know, mm-hmm. it's not just a certain kind of person, all kinds of different people, but what is the quality that they have mm-hmm. that makes them get it? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. people get it or you don't get it. And those people who get it tend to be musical people. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you do have a scientist thing happening as well. Which I've been catching. I know. So, all right. So you 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 got this guitar, and did you actually start? Yeah, playing yeah. And I was metal as fuck. I played for a long time. You did not like a super long time, but Heavy I switched metal? to bass. Yeah, I played metal. I played a lot of different things mm-hmm. though too. It was like you know you go through periods. Did you drop your E string to a D like real? Well, de temps en temps, like sometimes. Uh huh. Um, I like that whammy bar. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, Just playing bands? Well, I played bass in bands. So I grew up, you go through kind of these musical periods of time, which I, like, it's funny about music. As somebody can play you something, and to me, like, or play me something, it's like if I don't relate to it at the time that they play it, then I don't get into it. But it could be a couple years later that it jives, like, for me. And I'm like, God damn. Timing. Yeah, well, it has to relate. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which is why people, when they're sad, they like to listen to sad songs mm-hmm. about heartbreak if they're heartbroken. <laughs> uh, Some people like to listen to happy songs when they're sad, and I, I never understood that. Yeah. Like, like the, the happy song will get them out of the sadness. Yeah, I mean, if it's like coffee, I guess. Right, a little pick-me-up. A little pick-me-up. Just stuff that sadness right down. Get yeah, over it. You're like, mm, I'm going <laughs> to get out there today. 
I don't care. I'm going to go talk to people. I'm going to put on a smile. You look great. You look great. It's going to be okay. Because I'm happy. So it's it's just a lull. It's going to be great. Clap along if you feel. I'm going to wear a sparkles today. So I heard you speak some French. Did you live in France for a little while? Is oh, that... No. You God, didn't? Okay. No. Six months of high school French and a hell of a lot of French films. Well, not a hell of a lot, but a several. Uh-huh. <laughs> you picked up a couple of phrases? Or... No, I, I, it's more so the pronunciation that you might pick up. I think that, that if you don't already know French, I, I pick up languages pretty well. If I went to go study it, then I could speak more fluently. I really right. speak very little. Mm-hmm. But I understand it fairly well, and I can certainly read it much better. But, you know, it's Latin-based. It's much easier to read. It's harder to hear. Yeah, yeah. especially when it's fast. Yeah, especially yeah. when it's fast yeah. and heavy on the accent. Mm-hmm. So you're playing. So at what age did you start playing bass? Uh, okay, so you go through some different genres of music, depending upon what's relatable. You know, when I was really young, I liked to hear what's on the radio, which at the time was in the 90s, so... What was on the radio was generally better. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyways, I would sing along to songs. And then I learned the viola when I was in third grade or so. And then I got the guitar and it was in the metal and I was like, uh-huh. Was your dad proud of you for playing metal? Uh, he, I think he was. I think he liked it. My dad doesn't talk about pride uh, or being proud very much. He's very, mo- like, it's not like a super warm family on either side, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of, it was not particularly affectionate, but, you mm-hmm. know, I'm sure he did take some, some pride in that. Are you, are you still, are you close no, to them? No, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen, I saw him once last year when I saw him for the funeral of my uncle, uh, it was the first time I had seen him since I was 16. Oh, wow. Yeah. You don't, you're not in and touch with him anymore. I had only seen him that one time when I was 16 since I stopped seeing him when I was 13. You broke um, off communication with him. Well, yeah. I mean, I kind of talk to him sometimes, but he's very narcissistic. Like, like he would just totally forget my birthday. No, I know that sounds dumb, but... No, that doesn't sound dumb at all. You'd think you'd remember that day if you had a child. Well, I mean, yeah, but he just, like, he's just too... I think because he didn't get the life that he wanted to live earlier, he kind of started to do that later and mm. became much more about himself. And and really, like, if there's any communication now, like, he'll send an email out to, like, everybody in the family telling them about, like, his accomplishments most recently. Huh, right. And it's not about what you... How are you? What are you it's up to? It's never, like, how are you? What are right. you up to? You know, that doesn't mean he doesn't care altogether, but that's how it is. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to waste my time. Mm-hmm. So it's like that, but it's fine. Um, was was it a big thing? Like you, you said, hey, I want to not have you in my life for a while. Or did you just kind of... I left. My mother had happened to be visiting South Florida at the time. And, you know, actually, you know what happened? And this is part of the reason I sort of stopped playing music a little bit. Um is that I had a guitar, I had a, I had an acoustic guitar there, and I think some, something happened to it. I think he either crushed it because he was drunk, or he sold it for money, or something happened like that, and he just said he didn't know what happened to it, which is absolutely ridiculous. I left it on the couch. It's only been like eight hours or something. Right. Really? Like, it just is gone now? Yeah. <laughs> like, so... Uh, Do you think he sold it? 
I think maybe he broke it. I don't know. You didn't even I see it. I don't know. I don't know what happened to it, Just but disappeared. it has suspicious circumstances. Yes. Um, and anyways, so genres of music. Okay. Heavy metal. And then slowly, you know, in Florida with the radio there that it is, you move into rock and roll kind of type things. Mm-hmm. Rock and roll being a very wide fucking genre, might I add. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, radio stuff, you yeah. know, Zeppelin, like all that kind of shit. Classic rock. Get into it. I had like go-go boots and like my hair was like long and uh-huh. my, my boyfriend at the time had like big red hair and like he was a very talented musician actually. He used to be a saxophone player, then was a kick-ass drummer. And then, of course, he wanted to play guitar because it was the center of attention, which is ridiculous because he was such a talented drummer. And women love and it's hard to find. It's hard to find talented drummers sometimes. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. he was really kick-ass. Um, and he also played keyboard, like really kind of a very musical person. Like, mm-hmm. um, And so, I, you know, I would listen to those kinds of things. And then I started to get into reggae a little bit. I really dug reggae. Mm-hmm. And at the same time I got into reggae, I got into jazz on a rainy day. Yeah. Like Django Reinhardt. Uh-huh. And so then I started playing jazz bass when I was maybe 15. Is this why your dad oh, excuse was... excuse me, not jazz bass, reggae bass. Was your dad really pissed at you playing reggae? Is that why? No, <laughs> no. I Well, I stopped seeing him when I was 12 or 13. And then I also, uh, yeah. What was, Do you remember the last conversation? Like, how does that work when you just decide just to... Left. You left. Your mom was visiting and you I just... I just went with her. I left. You just, with my sister. We just left. Why were you living with I him? Because I wanted to get out of there. Yeah, but why were you living with him and not your mom? I visited. I spent a third of the year with him for visitation rights. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's what the court decided. Yeah, that's what the court decided. Yeah. I, I come from a divorced family as well. Yeah, so I spent all summer with him and then most holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds familiar. Yeah. So at 13, you were just had enough you just went to live with your mom and did you tell him like listen i already lived with her pretty much you know right 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 but you you said i'm not gonna go back to his yeah i I was very i had a job already at 13 i've been working Mm -hmm. since i was 13 and um very independent i moved out of my mom's house when i was 16 but couldn't he say hey i have court I have the law on my side, a court order. You have to come stay with me. I don't think he, he would argue that with my mother for the sake of it, but I don't think he really cared that much. And I think he was, well, I think he does care. I think he was heartbroken by it, but I don't think he was going to fight it. He didn't want to force you to do something you didn't want to do. No, I, that's not it. No. No, that's not it. What was it was just that I think, you know, he felt like he really he, he his pride was wounded from like poverty mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. he was like rooming with somebody at the time this guy named joey who i liked a lot and he really helped me kind of get out of there too mm-hmm. because he saw the way that my dad was and he's a sensitive guy too though my dad is it's a shame because you know he felt bad but he, I think, was ashamed. Mm-hmm. I think he was ashamed, and he didn't want to fight it, and he knew he couldn't really provide. Mm-hmm. Um, Because we didn't, I mean, food was you know, hard to come. It was like, it was rough. Yeah. It was rough, and yeah. I think he felt bad about it. Maybe your he mom. Quit, he quit his job, I think, because he was so angry one time. He just said, fuck you, and mm-hmm. walked out. You know, and he didn't have a job, really, like a real job. He was, I don't know, figure modeling, I think. 
because there was an art school down there and Mm -hmm. just like figure modeling part of that fed his ego and part of it made a little bit of money but like it was weird all this shit's real weird you know what i mean yeah well you don't want your dad being a figure model for a college i don't i mean (laughs) i don't care what somebody does as long as they're happy and and it pays the bills right you know well I'm, i'm hearing that you have a lot of empathy towards him but then also life is hard yeah life is hard i'm not i mean i'm not angry at him i probably was at a certain point but i'm not i mean to each their own i don't Mm -hmm. know life's hard Mm -hmm. and i'm empathetic for people who go through that i think as long as you're trying to make a fucking effort for yourself Mm -hmm. like i said some days are crawling kind of days yeah right as long as you're really kind of just even if it's a slow chip but you're chipping away yeah that's all you can do do you have any tricks or tools that you do when you're having a crawling day a drink (laughs) (laughs) i don't believe you actually is that true uh i do i i drink for several reasons uh that's a lot of does drinking help kick the mood helps me not feel so much pain and also helps me get out of my head Mm -hmm. um it helps me not feel physical pain, I should specify. And it helps me, it helps get me out of my, my head for a second. Because I'm such an overthinker, I'm just like, Grr. I exhaust myself right. thinking about fucking things. Right. I truly do. And I'm like, so tired. And then I'm like, get the fuck out of your head. Read a book, watch a movie, go talk to people that hopefully care about you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you do, gotta do just you, get out of it. It's a self, stop being so self absorbed. Do you, you isolate know? a lot? Uh, I spend a lot of time alone. I don't mind to, but it gets weird in my head. And I know that it's because I've just like been sitting here and like my little, you know, rabbit hole brain. Uh-huh. And I need to stop doing that and yeah. stop thinking so much about myself because there are so many people and so many other circumstances. First of all, my life's been much worse than what it currently could be considered. I'm not just talking about now or just in general, whatever. And then there are a lot of people who don't even have the fucking luxury to complain or to think so fucking much about how miserable they are. And that's what I think about. Yeah, but comparing yourself to someone worse doesn't really make it different. No, no, it just starts to shake you up a little bit enough to be like, all right, you know what I can do? I can go out and I'm going to get like a sandwich because Uh I need some blood sugar and I'm going to go look at some art today or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know. But uh, as far as dealing with uh, depression or or anxiety or however you label it. Yeah, yeah. um, It's good to have tools to know, to have go to's of what to do. You know, like obviously being more social is helpful. Mm-hmm. Exercising, jogging, you know, just even running. yoga. If you need something gentle, just start mm. to stretch a little. Just move around a little bit. Sometimes you don't want to do, you know, a high intensity like interval right. training workout. <laughs> sometimes you do, but, and but, sometimes it'll kick your ass, and you'll feel fucking great afterwards. Yeah, well, and you, you have to push yourself to do it. Right. Sometimes you have to be gentle with yourself, and you have to do gentle things for yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you find that uh, doing printmaking or other artwork that oh, you do right. is helpful? Yeah, you know, I the prints. I just always wanted to do that. Um, I know. I love the prints. It actually has taught me a lot of patience. And working with metal. I've mm-hmm. been working with metal recently. And it's taught me a lot of patience. Um, they're actually architectural studies. The prints. They're they, not random. Okay. They're not just randomly designed. They're studies of mid-century interiors. 
What can you? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> you're. What does that mean? You're looking at. Buildings? Yeah. So you. Well, I'll find uh, images of like a Frank Lloyd Wright or, or um, Gordon Mata Clark. I love him, and or or a Corbusier or something. And then I'll sort of. Um, well, Corbusier is a little. I don't know. What do you consider mid-century? But. <laughs> Something in the middle of the century, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it's it's bigger than mid-century, right? Of course, really, as a interval of time. Yes. But whatever, nonetheless. It's like a modern Renaissance mid-century. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, you printmaking. I did notice that there are there are shapes are kind of architectural. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of shapes. They're very different than your video work. Yeah, well, to be honest, I think some of the... Okay, so there's a line of consistency in the concept of all the work. There is. Yeah. And that is sort of revolving... I'm, I'm working on things. I need some of this for my my uh, synop- like my summary for my shows that I'm trying to play. Right, as an artist, I don't want to give away too much. You need a thesis? Is that what they call well, it? Well, I have a thesis. And... And I'm almost hesitant to give it away just because I haven't gotten there yet. Right. I want to talk about it. Like, I would be happy to tell you about it, but I'm I'm still paranoid a little bit. Of what? Of the idea being out before I had the opportunity to execute it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then then don't tell. Okay. Well, there's an underlying thing, and it'll come out soon. Okay. (laughs) So you have a show coming up. No, uh, no, I don't have anything confirmed right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on a lot of, not a lot as in bulk, but it's just a lot of work. Um, mm-hmm. I'm working on some things. I'm shifting because um, I did the books and I really love the books. But at the beginning of this year, I was like, it's really not apparent enough what it is that I'm trying to communicate with people because I think you have very so much, many different mediums. Well, no, because because of nipples, I suppose, or because of what it is, it's not because what do you mean of by the, that? because there's so much content saturation in current culture right now mm-hmm. that people say it's erotically charged. They just see erotica, right? You know, they don't see. Okay, this book is called Cult Classic. It's not just about this Manson-style cult, but that is a narrative depiction of what this theme is kind of revolving around, which is the worship of something and why and what the mentality and the psychology is behind that. Even though there are analytical essays embodied within the book, Mm -hmm. that is the theme that I'm exploring within that book. It's like, and cult doesn't apply, yeah, sure, a physical cult, Applies Manson. Why would people do that? But also like celebrity-induced cults, right. like which is super common now. People like to follow things. Like, what is this fucking mentality behind this? That's where I made right, the book. The cult of personality. So each of these books and each of these projects that I output, and really the music video was because Greg Dooley from the Afghan Wigs loved that book, and it just uh, narratively suited his song. Right. Um, all this, all this work, uh, you know, is really thoroughly like psychologically analyzed and thought through. And, and I'm like, how can I make these things that I think are important to explore with people and really, and sometimes, you know, there's been, okay, with, with darkness, which is something that I like to talk about that a lot of people don't talk about genuinely. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think is important, especially with the way that people are relating to each other, interpersonal connections, technology. There's been a lot of depression. Maybe it's because of oversaturation of things. Like, all these fucking things. And, mm-hmm. like... Those are the kinds of things that I want to try to address and not in a negative way. Right. Because I think that there is an evolution to going through the spectrum of feelings when you're living your life. Um, so I was thinking at the beginning of this year, how can I make that? And how can I make that kind of thing more apparent? How can I make what I'm really intending like through this as an, as an entertaining sort of medium, but also probing, you know, you, I make it entertainment as a format, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So to, to communicate these ideas and how do I make that more clear? I need to make it more immersive, which is why I started doing sculpture because I want to build installations mm-hmm. because there is nothing more impactful than, being fully immersed in something. Do you feel misconstrued, like misunderstood? Often. Yeah. You feel like in the erotically charged stuff, that all they're taking from it is the eroticism? Yeah. And I'm not going to hate on eroticism. I won't take it back. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think it just needs to be... I think if I can execute what it is that I'm planning, mm-hmm. uh, then the work that I have made previously will make even more sense in the way that I intended to. Right. Yeah. See, this is the intellectual part that's different than being a musician. Because yeah. as a visual artist, you have to kind of form your thesis and intellectualize all this stuff. Yeah. That's what's similar to stand-up comedy, I think. It's a very intellectual... You have to explain yourself, per se. Yes, in words. Yeah, in words. Yeah, you can't, just pl- you can't just plug your bass into a distortion pedal yeah. and slam on it. Yeah, well, the people who are, the audience is a little different, you know. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah, but that must be frustrating feeling uh, misconstrued and misunderstood. I'm, I've been used to it my whole life. Uh-huh. You know, I've lived a kind of crazy life, and, but nobody know. but it's fine. Um, well, yeah, because you don't come across that way. You come across as very together. Well, and that's that's fine. I am a very together person. Insult? No, not at all. Okay. I'm a very together kind of a person. Um, some people think the opposite. People think that I'm, I don't know, promiscuous, I suppose, mm-hmm. or whatever it is that, you know, people perceive. The thing is that you have to think about the perception of other people. And Do you, though? Yeah, I have. I mean, I do in terms of, obviously, people who are close to you think about the way that they sure, think and yeah. how they feel. And I don't really, there's a line, there's like a fine line between not giving a fuck about what people think enough that you could actually live your life and do your thing Mm -hmm. and really just do it like earnestly for what it is that you believe and what it is that you think about the world that you're experiencing and the universe that you have in your head. Right. But you because everybody has their own, but you can go crazy like that. Like when people are put in solitary confinement, it's kind of a form of torture. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, well, yourself. we're social people, yeah, aren't we? I think so. And so, and 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 it's more than thinking about the opinion and the the thoughts of the people who are close to me. It's thinking about how my work is perceived by sort of sort of people in general. Right. So if it's being perceived in a way, that and it's you don't... not being perceived enough, that I, it means I'm not communicating effectively enough to the people that's in how general. That's how you're taking it. You're putting it on you. Um, that's which, yeah, you know what? It's kind of my responsibility to communicate what it is that I'm trying to say mm-hmm. 
And and if I find, if I'm feeling that that's not effective enough, then maybe it's time to find a, another way to make it effective. It's like branding almost. Right. You like know, like a like, stand-up comedian that the audience isn't liking, if the audience isn't responding, if a stand-up He's going to tell a different joke or hopefully. tell it in a different way. Right. You know, you can't just, um, I mean, I and I think, you know, all the things are still the things I want to communicate, but I, I need to make it a little, sometimes it has to be obvious for people. Sometimes they don't pick up on the subtleties. Right. You know, or sometimes even you could, if I market it that way, right? Well, that's that's the challenge of the artist. I mean, you have to present it in a clear way, which can be hard because you're not objective about it. Yeah, that's well, that's the challenge. What are you gonna do? <laughs> well, you're just growing up. Yeah, every day <laughs> we're all just growing up. Exactly. So, do you ever feel? Uh, wanting to be in touch with your dad? Do you feel closure with that? Um, kind of, yeah. You do feel closure? Kind of, yeah, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I, I understand what it is. I mean, I hadn't been back as an adult until last year. Right. I went back as an adult, and I'm like, I saw it for... I saw it for what it is. You see it more clearly as, as, as we get older, I think we see things a little more clearly. Isn't it funny when you have an inkling for something and you don't know it's correct until one day you're like, I know for a fucking fact right. that this, I was totally right about this. I think that's my favorite <laughs> thing about getting older. <laughs> you're like, well, cause so, the naivety, like it's like, it's like being on a trip or like drugs or something. And then you come back as like a little less naive, yeah. much more sober. You, you're yeah. like, nope, that was a totally logical deduction to make about yeah. that. Mm -hmm. I was, I was like, good for you, naive self. <laughs> you know, like you did it, even yeah. though you were naive and you know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> does your Does your mom talk to your dad? No. They don't, oh they don't God, speak. no. Okay, even because they they share children. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. No, they do not. <laughs> Uh-huh. You, do you still talk to your mom? Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. I do. I you, do talk to my mom. Are you, you close with her? Well, <clears throat> well, we had some problems when I was growing up. She has uh, a terrible depression. She does? Okay. Oh, terrible depression. Uh, but she's very well intending. She's got her own issues. Um, she... Um, she also has anger problems, and uh, when you say also, she, oh, also with your dad, anger, yeah, yeah, yeah she, they're both angry people. <laughs> yeah, so it's surprising that I, I mean, I have been very angry in the past, but I'm not actually a very angry person. You don't strike me as an angry person. I don't feel very much anger. Mm -hmm. When I get mad, I get mad. Have you heard but, that saying? Anger is just sadness turned outward. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's the saying. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if I believe it or not. I've just heard that saying. I think it manifests in a different way for me. So Self-destructive, maybe. Maybe that's the way that my anger takes itself out. Oh, instead of outward, it goes inward. Yeah. Self-destructive. I don't. I don't blame other people. You know, like mm -hmm. it's not their fucking fault. Right. And it's not my fault either, really. But I'll sacrifice myself at least, so that I don't interfere with other people's lives. That's the mentality of self-destruction, I mm -hmm. think, for myself. Yeah. What, how, what does your self-destruction look like? Uh, Is that the drinking, drinking a lot. Yeah, smoking a lot. In fact, I want a cigarette right now. Do you have uh, any? <laughs> I don't, but we're almost... Okay. If you could hold off a little more. Yeah, wow. I only told you half of my life story and not even the rest of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, let's get to it. 
Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot, a lot there. Uh-huh. What What's the first thing on your mind when you say there's a lot more? Um, at least coming back around to where it makes sense uh, where I am now versus where I was then. Mm-hmm. It almost seems random or like I'm jumping. Um, there's a segue. It's missing the middle part. Yeah, well, you're, you know? you left your dad's in Florida to go to your mom's in Tallahassee, Florida? Uh, she lived outside of Pensacola. I lived with her predominantly, went to middle and high school. She was kind of abusive when I was growing up a little bit. I moved out when I was 16, worked at a gas station in Florida until I saved up enough money to move myself to New York, and that's how I got to New York. Wow. What age did you move to New York? 16? (laughs) 18. 18? I was living on my own when I was 16. I had been working since I was 13, saved up enough money to move out by the time I was 16. Did you finish high school in Florida? Yeah, I finished high school. So you lived on your own. I almost 16. had a scholarship, but because of the family stuff and like also health things, mm-hmm. at that age, uh, I didn't. By the time I, my last couple years of high school, I ended up like fucking up my grades because of all these things that were happening. I still graduated, but it fucked up my GPA enough not to get a scholarship anymore. Where did you live from sixteen to eighteen? Um, I lived in Milton, Florida, uh, a did small you, town. Did you have your own apartment? Yeah. You well, on... there's more to it than that, but yes. You lived I had with a boyfriend apartment. or something? No, well, I did, but I supported him. Oh, yeah. So how did your mom feel about you moving out at 16? Well, I asked my stepdad. You asked him? Yeah, because he was always a super calm, lovely, stable man. Mm-hmm. Perhaps he even enables my mother to react the way sometimes that she does. Mm-hmm. Um, at a certain point, you know. Um, but I asked him because I know that if I had his support, then it would be okay. Because she was so, she is so emotionally unstable that you can't, you don't know what you're going to get if you say something like right. that. So it doesn't really. It'll upset her. Because it, it's not that she doesn't care. She's just like, right. the way that it's coming out, it's just not, you know. Yeah, but that doesn't nurture honesty from you. You're not like, oh, I feel well, like I could be I open. Well, I was like, I, no, the whole thing was, uh, you know, bubbly. Or not bubbly. It was like rocky. It was, right. The whole thing was rocky. And You're on so, eggshells. Well, she was the one that I was having a lot of trouble with. And so I was like, look, uh, I, you know how it is with me and mom and how things are happening. I want to move out. And he's like, where are you going to go? And I told him. And he's like, all right. Mm-hmm. Did he ever help you out or check in on you? Yeah, no. I still talk to him. And I still talk to my mother even. You know, they're occasionally, I mean... I'm not, I don't, I still, I've still seen my mother. I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with her now, yeah. but I realize what it is now more so. I mean, even the last time I visited, it was like clear some of the issues that I have in my life, like where they stem from. I always say that's kind of one of the best reasons to stay in touch with your parents is to see what, what to watch out for, mm. you know? No, my stepfather was always, uh, uh, um, fortunately a very like the, the stable person. Mm-hmm. You know, or else I would really have no sense of stability and then I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> no, to... I would, but it's tricky because the things that I desire are very basic things, but I don't know that they're basic things because I have no point of reference. Right, right. Things like that. Yeah. You know, things like that. Well, but... you, you don't have a role model except for maybe your stepfather. Well, no, my grandmother on my father's side is, she's been to all seven continents, super Mm -hmm. adventurous lady, Mm -hmm. like valedictorian, smart, like powerful, six feet tall, like... She's still around? Yeah, she's like volunteering in a national park out west. Cool. 
yeah, yeah. You no, in touch with her? There's a couple of people like that. My aunt married in um, my uncle's uh, ex-wife now, but she was always really lovely growing up. It's not like I'm not going to just whine and say anything. And <laughs> You know, I can't say that. And I can't say that both of my folks, even though they're fucked up, like don't have positive qualities. Right that I will take or, or that I didn't take from the experience that they, they've they had, even though, you know. See, you're not angry. I'm not you're angry. You're not an angry person. I'm not an angry person. Yeah. I get frustrated. Uh-huh. That's what I would say. Yeah. I get frustrated. Sometimes. Uh, Most well, of the time, every, I'm very do. optimistic. And every, I would like to give energy to other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all get frustrated. In a way that kicks their ass in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. A little prodding? I, well, not prodding, just like, get yourself out of it. Uh-huh. You know? Like, <laughs> do you do like, that for yourself? Uh, sometimes. Not as much as I do for other people. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, if I took all the advice I gave, I'd be Yeah, right? Really, really You'd be sad. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> totally. You cannot accept that. Go out there. <laughs> well, it's easier to see and other get people. get what you want. <laughs> yeah. It's easier. Objectivity. Objectivity. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, so you're 18. You you lived on your own from 16 to 18 I'm in Florida. Taking a lot of acid at the time. Oh, acid in Florida while working at a gas station, huh? Well, not while I was working. <laughs> on the off hours. Oh, yeah. What were you doing at the gas station? Working the night shift. Mm-hmm. I'd work the night shift. I'd work nine to seven, and then I'd go to high school. Nine p.m. 9 p.m. to 7, 7 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then I go to high school during the daytime. I was a punk at the time. Uh huh. When yeah. would you sleep? Uh, after I got out of school, mm-hmm. before I went back to work. Wow. And, you know, you don't work every day. You work maybe four right. or five days a week. Right. So you're doing that. You're paying your bills, paying mm-hmm. for the rent. Yeah. And then when did you realize you wanted to move to New York? And why Oh, did- I always knew I wanted to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. I knew. I always knew. I was like, uh, I think this is a modeling opportunity that came up. Is that what happened? Yeah. How did, yeah. How did a modeling opportunity come up? I was doing some... Some small modeling with an agency down there, mm-hmm. and they would go to New York um, every year, once every spring, I think, and um, meet with agencies and try to get their girls signed if they were tall enough. And I was just barely tall enough uh-huh. for them H- to. How tall are you? Me. I'm five eight. Okay. Yeah, barely. <laughs> <laughs> but and uh, there was a couple agencies that were interested, and one offered to buy. My plane ticket, and I was like, well, hell, that's enough of an investment for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little did I know at the time. Was it a scam? No, not at all. I just should have probably gone with the other agency. They're much more well-reputed. Uh-huh. Uh, but I left anyway, and oh, my God. I was so nice. I had never been to a big city before in my well, life. Yeah. So this modeling agency bought you a one-way ticket? Yeah. They bought me a one-way ticket. <laughs> what were they thinking? You're an 18-year-old girl. They're buying you a one-way ticket. Yeah. They bought me a one-way ticket there. And I mean, that's you... not uncommon in the industry really? at all. Had you decided that you're just going to move to New York at that moment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, I wanted to get out. I was like, sure. Yeah, whatever. Had you we'll saved money? Did you... Yeah, I saved up two whole thousand dollars. Wow. That's like almost a month's rent. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found a little... Three foot by three foot like, uh, closet room rental in Astoria, uh-huh. and I lived there with a guy who didn't turn out to be so nice after all. And then, uh, you know, I, did you, had you I, known him? No, 
God, no. I was so naive. Oh, my God. I was so naive. It makes me cringe. Yeah. I would not even be so bold now as to do what I did. I was so bold. I just did not give a fuck. I right. was like, I'm going to go. That's... And of course, it's going to work out. Isn't that kind of the advantage of youth, though? Yeah. I got to New York. I was like, I need a job. I'm going to go out and get a job. I can do it. And I did. Yeah. I walked the fuck out there. I yeah. went to Soho because of that. Uh, what is it? Ruby Soho, the song, Tim Armstrong. Oh, Rancid. Come uh-huh, on. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I'm going to do Soho. It's cool. Uh, but I had no clue that Soho is like a shopping mall at this point. Right. <laughs> no idea. Just none. Absolutely. First stop I made, I waited for the... I, I, I didn't even, I had never taken a train before. I waited for the train. Like, you know how it runs every five minutes? Yeah. I did not know that. I was like... I didn't know the. Uh, it was the last stop on the Astoria train at Ditmar. It's like the end of the queue. We're both there. I didn't know they could both go to the same place. No idea. I was like, I had to wait for the end train. <laughs> wait <laughs> right, here right. for the end train. Yeah. <laughs> or else I might go to the wrong place. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And got off at 34th Street, Herald Square, like just dumbfounded. Were, were you overwhelmed by the city or were you like just so confident that you're going to get what you came here for? Uh, I didn't know what I was coming here for, really. I just knew that I wanted to get out, and I did. Right. You know, that was it. And then everything else was just absorbing. You know, everything else was just learning not to wear flip-flops in New York City. And, like, Don't let a rat run on your leg. Simple things. <laughs> it was... Cr- I, I cringe at how nice. So nice. Yeah. I don't even... I don't even know how I functioned. Like, the perspective of culture. Like, oh, my God. God. Well, I think sometimes that naivety kind of, it, it serves us. Yeah. It's, well, yeah, I guess it did its job. Because you don't have that second guessing happening. Maybe also I could have done better had I had more knowledge, but I can't take it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So did you come to New York with a goal or was your goal just to get out of Florida? It was simply to get out. And so you showed up in New York and you're like, I didn't know, I you know, because I wanted to go to school for chemistry. That didn't work out. I just had left so much darkness uh-huh, only yeah. to encounter some more, obviously, because New Wait, York has plenty of darkness there's, there's, that you might fall into. No, there's darkness in New York City. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, somebody turned the lights <laughs> out. <laughs> really? <laughs> Here? No. <laughs> there can't be. Eight and a half million people in a small little island? There's can't no way. <laughs> So, how did you? What was your first job? Like oh, you, you had two thousand dollars. I worked at B Bar off of Bowery, mm-hmm. and you... then I worked at the Tribeca Grand when it was still the Tribeca Grand, and I was just like waitressing. Yeah, and we're, and modeling. I saved up some money that way, and then uh, I met uh, this photographer upstate, and I uh, worked with him, and you know, he's we fell in love. I put that in quotes. Uh, right, because who knows you what can't, love is? You can't see my quotes <laughs> on the podcast, but I put you it in quotes. feel the air quotes. Can you feel the air quotes? <laughs> and um, no, it's not that I didn't know what love is. It's just that it was like, that is a whole nother situation. Uh-huh. Is that a whole other episode? <laughs> That's then? a whole... N- all of these things are actually just entire episodes of me talking so about who, my life. <laughs> who is the photographer? Jonathan Leader, okay. which is ev- I only say that because it's evident through me. If you look back far enough on my Instagram, uh-huh. it's obvious. And so then uh, he's like, "Come move upstate." This is Woodstock. Come move upstate, come, which is how I, I'm familiar with Woodstock. Right. Come move up. Come move up. I'm like, no, I have a job. Like I have 
to have money to pay my bills. Like, what do you want? And he's like, if you live here, then, you know, you don't have to worry about it because mm-hmm. I have a place here. So you moved from the city up to Woodstock. And I moved up to Woodstock. How old were you at that point? 18. Eight, oh, well, wow. I had freshly, freshly minted 19. Okay. Yeah. How old is he? <laughs> 41. Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think. Maybe 40 <laughs> uh-huh. do you at the time. F- do you, looking back on it now, as a couple of years have passed, yeah. Do you feel like he took advantage of you or manipulated you? There was a lot to it that was fucked up, but I don't regret right. going at all. Right. In fact, I probably would never have realized I was an art director almost. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would almost argue that I would have found something because that's just the kind of person that I am. Yeah. But he was the one who really exposed me to the industry, to be honest. And as much as certain things happened there that were a little fucked up, like... I probably would have never started designing books. And if I never started designing books, I would have never became an art director and et cetera, et cetera. Like mm-hmm. all this knowledge that I gained, it wasn't just from him. I mean, just the fact that we had hundreds of books around and I just had uh, the luxury to look through them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always worked, I worked up there too, but like it was the first time in my life that I really didn't have to hustle. Um, Do you still talk to him? Not really. I will occasionally ask him a question. We uh-huh. have a little bit of beef, but yeah, um, that's separate. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, all I guess it is to say, like, everything is, has a weird way of going. Making sense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I went there and I just, um, I just learned things, and all that. Like, I'm so grateful for it now. I, yeah. I was, I love to live there. He had kids. I love those kids. Oh, that's a lot of stories here. There's a lot of stories. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. It feels weird to say so much about myself. So, how long did you live up in Woodstock for before you moved? Almost down? four years, and mm-hmm. then I moved back down. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't gotten to live my life yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I never did because I was just so, you know, I was just working all the time. And then I moved and then I went up there and I was kind of alone most of the time up there. We had friends, but like I didn't have independent relations with mm-hmm. people really. And then, um, and I just, you know, I worked and I built a company. We had a company together. I built that up and, you know... Is that the company Viscous? No. Viscous Publishing. Viscous is my company. That's so yours. it's like the second publishing company that I've started. Mm-hmm. Um, and Viscous publishes books? Books. 
graphic novels? Books and printed materials. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I, I made a print, so I, I don't say just books because right. not everything's technically a book. Right. Although I do consider them books instead of magazines because they're not periodical that way. Mm-hmm. They're made with the sole intention. And I don't call them zines either. Zine culture was something that happened yeah. here, which I was told, because I lived upstate, totally unaware of. And then it kind of found us because we had this company. Right. It's more like an art And people piece. were like, oh my God, you guys make zines. And I was like, what are zines? <laughs> no, zine, zine doesn't qualify what Viscous does. No, no. It's, it's very, I don't know, it's very specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, zines are like quick content material and mine are like long-term you know, yeah, more like know, here is a, is more almost like an essay, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not an essay. It's a book. I don't know. Yeah, art an art piece almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like an art book. Like yeah. an art book. Where do people find these? They art can books? find them online at <laughs> com, which is a website I need to redo, but they're available there. Yeah. A couple of places here and there that carry them sometimes, but it's better to buy online. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, I mean, you have all these different artistic mediums. Uh-huh. What do you uh, feel like is your main, like, what do you, what gets you out of the bed in the morning? Is there a particular? Metal sculpture. Metal sculpture. That's, that's. And, the... and design engineering things. Design engineering? Yeah. I what? have this object that I designed. It's rather simple, but thoughtful. Uh-huh. Uh and that's gonna hopefully come out soon. Debating on whether or not I wanna have a show with that. And that kind of acts as a transitional piece so that like if I just came out with like, Oh, by the way, I'm having a metal sculptural show then people will be like, What? I thought she made books. So it's kind of a transitional piece right, right. So between the two. It abridges. You have a lot of different outlets. You're you're a model for years. Is uh, that? I'm not a model. I'm not a model. Uh huh. I did that for money in the beginning. I'm not a model. I don't want there to be confusion. Right. Because of Instagram and all that shit. I'm not a model. Uh huh. I'm a creative director and an artist. And a, a video director. Yeah. Well, same thing. Creative, creative direction. direction. Okay. Right. I make things. Yes, and you have a a very strong aesthetic. Mm, yeah, that's true. Like someone would and hire consistently you. strong. Consistent, exactly. Yeah. That's what I meant. Really, actually, was consistent. You're a consistent yeah. aesthetic, which is probably why Greg Dooley from the Afghan Wigs reached out to you. Yeah, he wanted your aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. my aesthetic. <laughs> oh, was there a bit of that? He really wanted my ass. No, no, Did not he? at all. Not at all. Uh-huh. He was always really lovely it was and professional. And uh, I was happy for the opportunity. Yeah. But uh, I urge listeners to go to one of your websites, amynicolehood.com. That's my prints. I got to put some more stuff up on there. Mm-hmm. You have so many different. So what? ViscousLTD.com? Okay. I have a publishing company. Yeah. And then I have fine art. Yeah. Pretty much how it breaks down. Right. Right. And I'm a, for money, I do art direction and stuff. And I've done things for brands, and including my own. Your Instagram is kind of the portal because you have the links to all of them. It kind of makes a little sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hoodwinked. That's my creative direction. Right. Company. Yes. Right. Design stuff. It kind of categorizes all of my work in a way that seems commercially marketable. Mm-hmm. And then I have um, my namesake website, which is Fine Art. 
Yeah. And then, of course, I have one separate for, you know, the publishing things. And it's kind of its own site. Are your mom and dad kind of up to date with what you're doing? <laughs> no. They're not. Oh, no. No. I mean, I, my mother knows what I kind of do. But where it, she is and where I come from, there's no conception of what the fuck creative director does. Right. Like, that's not a job. What does that even mean? But when, you know? you're, when you're modeling. A job title, like, what? When you're it's modeling, she must have known. Yeah, yeah, she knew about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she intentionally doesn't Google me. <laughs> <laughs> like she don't. She doesn't go about it. I'm sure for a reason. Uh huh. Do you, yeah. when when you talk to her, do you, does she ask what you're doing? What's new? No. No. Not really. Has she seen any of your artwork? She says, "How are you?" Um, I mean, she knows I make prints, and she knows I make things. I don't mm -hmm. know. We're not like super close. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, occasionally. If I have a nice picture, sometimes I'll send it to her. But are you going to send her I don't a link know. to this podcast? Yeah, yeah I'm sure she would be like, uh, "Excuse me." Would she be like, "What's a podcast?" Yeah, she might. Uh -huh. She'd probably be like, "What is a podcast?" <laughs> but, like you listen to it? No, she probably wouldn't. I, I try to watch nice films with her. Even like this film, this Wes Anderson film came on the show, and she's like. I don't know about that. I'm like, are you kidding me? What are you watching? Reality TV shows? This is a Wes Anderson film. At least it's right. it's commercial enough for you to appreciate. <laughs> it's good filmmaking. Still, like, it's a great in between. What is your problem? I don't want to watch Hoarders. Right. You, 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 <laughs> she's not an artistic or person whatever. where you can get on she, that. She is an artistic person. She just refuses to, I don't know, aspire to anything. Or she just lives in Florida. Yeah, well, that too, but it's um, it's more deep seated than that, mm. as as it would be. Yeah, but are you finding like you're dealing with your life better as you have more and more outlets? Mm. Um, I don't know. I live for making things. I live for my ideas. Mm -hmm. I live for that. Really, this is a, this is a common question or a common thought that a lot of artists have, but like. Do you feel like it's an outlet? Like, is it a blessing or a curse to be creatively <laughs> driven? That's a cheesy question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, sometimes, like, is it a burden or is it an outlet? It's all there is. Uh-huh. Well, there's just no other option. What am I supposed to do? Right. Like, I have to make things. There's nothing else for me to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, that's just it. <laughs> I know, I know other people do other things, but for me, like, I just, there's just nothing else. But some people don't have that drive. Yeah. Do you well, envy that? No. Mm hmm I am what I am. And other people will live their lives as they will. Yeah. That's all, that's why everybody is a little different. Yeah. Because if everybody was all the same, then the world wouldn't work. Right. Well, excuse me, I should specify, the society wouldn't work. Wouldn't in the way a, that it does. It wouldn't be as interesting. No, certainly not. Yeah. So what's next for you? Oh, maybe it would. Maybe just things on fire because everybody had butted heads too much because they're all the same person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it probably wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah. So you have this thesis coming. This is what's next for you. You're working on this grand thesis that you wouldn't tell us because no one's done it before. No, it's... it's um. It's just that I'd rather talk about it in the context of 
what I'm aiming to do with my work before I talk, like if I came back later after I released a couple things, then I'd be happy to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But until then, I, I I need to say I need to reserve, um, reserve it until I have a real um, device to communicate that yeah. through. You've got a card up your sleeve. Yeah, I've got I, I've got a couple cards up my sleeve right now, and I'm just kind of waiting. I think it's just hard for me. I'm very impatient. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that's probably a good place to leave it mm. in suspense. She's got cards up her sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for talking to me. Thanks for having me. Hey.